0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing.
1: Well, I wanted to introduce Pastor Johnny and I'm going to show a short video. They're planting a church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So how me know I brought the guest preacher in that's planting a church far, far away? <laughs> Especially when you're as good as a preacher as he is, you know. Now, if next week everybody, if I get a bunch of emails that they're moving to Murfreesboro, you may be my last church planter that comes in. But Pastor Johnny is a tremendous man of God, and, and I just want to share this about him. God has a calling on their life as a ministry couple, and they are not taking the easy road. Number one, planting a church is very challenging. Now, he would never tell you this, and I may get scolded for telling you this, but on the heels of him making this decision to plant a new church in Murfreesboro, he had a major opportunity to be on staff as a campus pastor at a church that has over 1,000 members. 3,000 members. I'm sorry. I'm a few months old. I'm a few months past. Uh, had a, had another opportunity to be a campus pastor, another very large church actually in Murfreesboro to launch another campus. Um, he left a church of 500 because of the call of God to start a new work in a whole new city. And I don't tell you that to say we'll look at him, but I'm telling you that to say the road they have chosen... Is not an easy road, but how you many know when God calls you, it's like a fire shut up in your bones, and you've got to do it, and you've got to take advantage of it. I'll Only tell you that because that fits the message that He's going to bring us today as a people, and it really let that stir your heart. That and many times God, God will, uh, or, or or the enemy or the devil or whoever you want to want to blame it on in this situation. Many times you'll have an opportunity come right before your good your God opportunity. Just be, let me say this: I think of the Lord just because it's good. Doesn't mean it's God. There's a lot of good things. There's a lot of good things we could do as a church, but that doesn't mean it is God's plan for us. So never settle for good when you can have God. And so I just want to say that. I'm not preaching today, but I just want to say that. Can't get the mic and not share some kind of spiritual truth. But don't settle for good when you can have God. And Pastor Johnny is not settling for good and chantrell, They're settling for God's call on their life. So I'm honored to have my friend here today. He's preached here at this church before. 20 years we've known each other. Love this guy. Man of integrity, man of character. Watch this video. As soon as the video's over, he's going to
2: come up and begin ministry. Hi, we are Johnny and Chantrell Chase. We have been in full-time ministry for 24 years and lead pastors for the last 16 years. Now God has called us to do something different, something that is going to take a huge step of faith for us. God has called us to be church planters in the city of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Murfreesboro is one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. It's the home of MTSU, which holds 22,000 students. And so we want to get there and make an impact for the Kingdom of God. The name of our church will be Lift Church. We want to call it Lift Church because the Word of God tells us that when we lift Jesus up, He will draw all men unto Himself. There are people in Murfreesboro that need to be lifted. They've been knocked down by life. They've been hurt. And they need someone to lift them up, and that's what we want to do. We want to ask you to partner with us. We need prayer support. We have a goal before we launch our church to have 3,000 prayer partners, and we want to ask you to be a part of that. You can get more information about what we're doing and how you can pray on liftchurchpartners.com. So we want to encourage you to go there right now and sign up to be a part of our prayer team. You'll also have information about how you can support us financially. And we want you to know that your prayers and your giving helps us to do the work that God has called us to do to lift up people in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be at Emmanuel Assembly again. Man, I love your pastor. Um, Just seeing God's hand on his life since he was a teenager and uh, it's exciting to see what's happening in his life now and the man of God that he's become and the leadership he brings and and to believe great things are in store. What a great Spirit of God and presence of God that's here at manual Assembly this morning. Um, you know, as the video said, we have been in full-time ministry for 24 years. And 16 of those years I've been a lead pastor. But this is our very first church plant and so we're taking a huge step of faith, something we've never done before. Um, just in praying, God has given us a, a heavy burden for the city of Murfreesboro. It's growing tremendously. It was the 13th fastest growing city in the nation last year. But we want to see the kingdom of God growing as quick as the city. Amen. We want to see people coming to Jesus. And so we're excited about going there. As the video said, Lift Church is the name of our church uh, because we want to lift up Jesus. When we lift up Jesus, He lifts up people. David said, He lifted me out of the miry clay, out of the pit of despair, and set me on a firm foundation. Did anybody get lifted up by Jesus out of your mess, out of your sin, out of your circumstances? And He put you on a firm foundation in a relationship with Him. And so that's what our desire is, is to lift up Jesus and to see Him lift up people to lift them out of bondages, to lift them out of addictions, to lift, lift them out of depression, to lift them out of discouragement, to lift them out of, uh, 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 patterns of, of life that, that are, uh, not God's plan for them. And we want to see God move in a powerful way. And here's what I really want to ask you to do. As you mentioned, God has kind of put a crazy number in our heart of prayer partners. Uh, We will actually be moving to Murfreesboro in January and then launching next September. And before next September, we have a goal of having 3,000 prayer partners. I've got about 130. So I've got a little ways to go. I've got some time. We're just now starting. So uh, if you would, uh, and you would be faithful to pray for us, uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the back at the table we have, some information about our church. Take that, pray over it, pray for us. Also, if you'll put your email address down, uh, we'll send out monthly prayer needs and updates and let you know what's going on and, and tell you how your prayers are making a difference. And so if you'll do that, that would be wonderful partner with us to build the kingdom of God. How many know the kingdom of God's bigger than just Knoxville? It's bigger than just Tennessee. But we around the world are brothers and sisters in Christ building the kingdom of God. And uh, if you will pray with us, every soul, every life that is touched through Lift Church, you're a part of that. And we thank you for your partnership and prayer and And uh, just excited about what God's going to do. Amen. Well, it's an honor to preach the word of God today. Uh, I heard there was a, a football game yesterday. Tennessee Vols beat Auburn. Uh Interesting thing, uh I don't know how many how many of you are Vol's fans? Uh Alante Taylor is a freshman this year. He is from the church where I pastored and he came to our church a lot, and uh he's starting as a freshman. So it's cool for me to watch the Vol games and see somebody I know. It's a lot of fun. Um, but uh but he's a good kid and loves the Lord. But anyway, it's good to be here. Let me pray before I get into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence today. God, we thank you. I ask for your anointing. God, I pray for your anointing that breaks the yoke, that sets the captive free. Lord, I pray that today as I preach, it's not with persuasive words of man's wisdom or eloquency of speech, but God, I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit today. God, we thank you for your word. God, may your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Help us to hide your word in our heart that we might not sin against you. God, finally help us, Lord, not just to just be hearers of the Word today, but to be doers of the Word. Lord, your Word is not meant to just be known, but it's meant to be lived. Help us, in your name we pray, amen, amen. Well, the the topic that the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you has kind of come out of, birthed out of where I am in my life and what I've been going through and what God has called us to do, and I want to... Talk to you about the topic of sacrifice. We know that Jesus made the greatest sacrifice of all when He gave His life on Calvary that we might be forgiven of our sins and saved. But how many know that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, He also requires sacrifice of us? To give of ourselves, and so sometimes when people present the gospel, they they present it in a way that if you give your life to Jesus Christ, that all your problems are going to be van- are going to vanish, everything's going to be easier, everything's going to be better. Well, that's not necessarily true. Sometimes God calls us to sacrifice. Sometimes He asks us to give of ourselves. In Romans chapter six. Verse 13, it says, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part, say every part, part. of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Every part. Sometimes we just give God part of ourselves and hold back Another part. Sometimes we say, God, take my hurt. Take my pain. Take my sin. Bring forgiveness. Take, take the things in my life that I don't want to be a part of them. And we say, God, I give you my sin. I give you my failures. I give you my pain. But we want to hang on to our dreams. We want to hang on to our desires. We want to hang on to certain things sometimes. When I was... Uh, a lot younger, there was a Dr. Pepper commercial. And uh, in this Dr. Pepper commercial, it has this young man and he's got a girlfriend and it shows them walking down the road and he's holding the umbrella over her and he's getting drenched. And in the background, there's some music going and it's a guy named Meatloaf. And he's singing the song, I would do anything for love. Y'all heard that before? Don't act so spiritual. I know you heard it. <laughs> I would do anything for love. I don't lead worship. It's not my gift. And so he's holding this umbrella over the girl. It's, it's keeping her dry, but he's getting wet. It shows him in a, a room full of women doing aerobics. I would do anything for love. Then it shows him sitting on the couch in his living room and they're they're watching this movie and um, he's drinking his Dr. Pepper and and she reaches over to grab his Dr. Pepper and the song goes, but I won't do that. (laughs) And the next thing you see, he's running down the road with his Dr. Pepper, his girlfriend's on the porch like, what are you doing? Sometimes in serving God, We'll say, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll be who you want me to be. I'll go where you want me to go. And then God says, I want you to do this. And you're like, oh, but I won't do that. What is that thing that's keeping you, that one thing that 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 is keeping you from giving everything to God, to surrendering all, to becoming all he meant for you to be, to do all he wants you to do? Sometimes we hold that one thing back. But God will often require a sacrifice. In Luke 9, 23, it says, And he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So that first scripture says, give every part of yourself. And here it says, deny yourself. We are all born with a selfish and a fleshly nature that wants to look out for ourselves first but we've got to be willing to give of ourselves. And you know what? We've got to be willing to give God everything. How many know that He gave us everything? When He gave His Son, His very best gift that He could give is His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave His life that we might be saved. But He often asks us to not just... We enjoy the benefits and the blessings of salvation, but sometimes He says, you've got to, you've got to take up your cross daily. Yeah. And we like the idea of joy and grace and forgiveness, but we don't like the idea of carrying a cross because that means we have to lay ourselves down. That means some, some, some pain. That means some difficulties. That means some struggle. That means some sacrifice. When I went to uh, Bible College, I went to North Central University, and there was a student there that went the same time I did, and his name was Ted. And uh, Ted had an incredible story. When he was 16 years old, around that age, he gave his life to Jesus Christ, sold out to God. He, he really did what I'm talking about. He, he gave his all. He didn't hold anything back. And uh, he felt called into the ministry and wanted to go to Bible college. He went to his parents who were extremely wealthy. Not just a little bit wealthy, but extremely, extremely wealthy. And says, Mom and Dad, I feel called to go into the ministry. And his dad said, Ted, there's no money in the ministry. He said, you're not going to go into the ministry. I'm not going to allow it. That's, that's, that's not who our family is. And, uh, he said, you could, you can be a doctor. You can be a lawyer. You can be this. You can be that. He said, but, but you're not going into the ministry, son. And, um, he said, dad, I, I love you, but I've got to do what God called me to do. And his dad said, son, if you want to go into the ministry, and want to go to a Bible college, like you're saying, I won't give you any money for that. I won't pay anything. But if you'll go to this university and become have this career, I'll I'll pay for your housing, I'll pay for your car, I'll pay for your food, I'll give you spending money, I'll pay for all your education. But if you go to this Bible college, you won't get a dime from me. So Ted had a decision to make, and he made a decision to give God everything, to give God all. And that's a tough decision for a 17, 18-year-old kid. I mean, every 17-year-old kid wants his dad to be pleased and happy and wants wants their 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 family to think well of them. And so he had an incredible, difficult decision of whether he would sacrifice or not. And he went to Bible college, and Ted worked two jobs all the way through Bible college. He was a security officer at the school and had another job and he worked all the way through school, paid his own way through school, paid his own car payment, paid for his own food, paid for all this other stuff. When he had something incredible offered to him that his dad would pay for everything and give him all the spending money and everything, he made a decision to make a sacrifice and give his all to God. I want you to know that that is something that God is requiring of all of us, that we give Him everything, that we give Him our all. We don't hold anything back. When God calls us to give everything, don't forget that the one asking us to give everything has already given His everything for us. Let me share with you some examples from the Word of God of men who were willing to sacrifice. In 1 Kings chapter 19 beginning with verse number 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of Saphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back and took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He turned the plowing equipment, uh, I'm sorry, he burned the plowing equipment to cook and cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Elisha gets the call of God. Elisha, Elijah didn't say a word, he just placed the mantle upon him. And then Elisha says, hey, I'm going to follow you, but give me just a minute. Give me some time to go back and say goodbye to my father and mother. Now this is interesting because when Elijah placed the mantle on him, he didn't say a word. But the Holy Spirit instantly put within Elisha the call that was upon his life. And he knew by the power of the Holy Spirit that he was to go with Elijah and to follow him and to be under him and to serve him. And uh, that's the way it happened when I was called to go to plant a church in Murfreesboro. The Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart. And when God calls you and you know what you're supposed to do, you've got to do what God called you to do. As, As Pastor James told you, the day after I made my announcement, Uh pastor called me. He is the pastor of the fastest growing church in the United States. I don't know if you knew that or not. It was just determined. And he says, Johnny, don't go plant a church. Now, this is a pastor trying to talk me out of God's will. He said, come here and and do another campus for us. But when God calls you to do something and you know that you know that you know, no matter what it costs you, no matter the price that has to be paid, you've got to be obedient to God. And so Elisha goes and he burns the plow and he slaughters the oxen. Why did he do that? You know what? I believe he did it because he didn't want there to be no turning back. He didn't want there to be an option to come back to. And so the plow and the oxen were his way of making a living. So he's saying, you know what? I'm going to follow the plan of God and there is no plan B. A lot of times people say, well, I'm going to give this God thing a try. You can't give it a try. When you get saved, you're making a commitment. You're saying, God, I will give you my life for the rest of my life. I'm not going to try and see how this goes. And if there's no bumps in the road, then I'll stick with it. Listen, even when you serve God, times get difficult. Trials come. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. And so struggles come even when you give your life to God. But Elisha was saying, you know what? There is no plan B. There's only one way. There's only one plan, and that's God's plan. In your life, surrender your life, your dreams, your goals, your desires, and say, God, I give them up and I give them to you. I tell you this morning that God's plans for you are greater than your own plans. That the things that God wants to do in your life, you could never dream or imagine or conceive that you would be a part of doing some things so great for God. But God has a plan and purpose. And Elisha said, God, I'm not going back. There is no turning back. I'm burning the plow. I'm burning the oxen. I'm going to follow you. The Holy Spirit spoke to Elisha. And when when you hear from God, you know That's what you got to do. Sometimes he calls you to do difficult things. You know, Elisha did not leave for some great ministry. Did you know for the next six or seven years, all Elisha did was a servant? He became known as the man who washed Elijah's hands. So he left. He was probably pretty financially secure. For someone in this time to have 12 yoke of oxen, that was pretty significant, so he was probably considered pretty wealthy and he gave it all up for what reason? Some big ministry? Some big place where he was recognized? He, he gave it up for seven years to become a servant. Sometimes we are willing to give up things if we have the spotlight, if we have something significant or if we're getting a good return, if we're getting a good sum of money because of it. But he burned his plow and slaughtered his oxen to follow the Lord to become a servant. Of course, we know the end of the story. We know that God blessed him for being a servant for those years, for being obedient and slaughtering the oxen and burning the plow. We know that later on he became a mighty prophet of God and received the mantle from Elijah when Elijah was caught up in a chariot and never died. His mantle came upon Elisha and Elisha got a double portion. So God repaid it to him and God blessed him for it, it, It was a step of sacrifice. Another example that there is a cost to serving God in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus and Peter and Andrew and James and John, Jesus approaches them and they were doing what they did for a living. And uh, in verses 19 through 22, Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called out to them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Listen. A lot of times pastors are afraid to ask for sacrifice from their congregation. They're, they're afraid to ask people to, to serve in the nursery. They're afraid to ask people to give extra time for ministry, for outreach, for different things like this. But I want you to know something. Jesus was never afraid to ask for sacrifice <laughs> because he realized that the sacrifice was to accomplish a greater purpose and a greater goal. And he said, hey, guys, if you will leave your nets and follow me, I will make you fishers of men. They left their nets. They left their livelihood. They left their father behind. They said, Jesus, we're going to follow you today. Jesus is not afraid to ask for sacrifice. He may ask, ask something of you that's not easy. He may ask something of you that will cost you relationships. He may ask something of you that will cost you to leave your family behind and go to another country. And Man, I admire and respect missionaries who leave the United States of America behind. They sell their possessions and they go to another country. By the way, let me finish the story about Ted. He went to Bible college and graduated, went to the ministry. And the last I heard, his parents gave their life to Jesus Christ and are now serving the Lord. Would that have happened if he wasn't obedient to God? I don't know. I don't know what would have happened, but I do know that his decision to sacrifice and give of himself had a huge impact on his parents. And I believe it played a big part in them giving their life to Jesus Christ. And so God may be calling you to give of yourself, to do something you've never done before. Jesus was not afraid to require commitment and sacrifice. Look at Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse number 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, first, Lord, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. God requires us to give our all. It's important to understand that only you and God know if you're making the kind of sacrifice He requires. Because there are times when other people look at us and they may think, man, they're sacrificing. They're giving their all. But in your heart, you know God has called you to do more. You know that God has called you to do greater things. You know that God has called you to pray more, to seek Him more. And, and maybe you're kind of falling short of what God has called you to do. And, and so only God knows the sacrifices that you make, but he sees your sacrifices when no one else does. There was a, a lady in my church. Her name was Ellen. And, um, she would come to church every Sunday and sit on the second row. And many, many Sundays, as I would preach, she would fall asleep. Almost, almost every Sunday, she'd, she'd fall asleep. Now, people would look at her and think, man, Can't believe she's falling asleep during church. Why she even come for? She's not going to stay awake and listen to the message. And uh, a lot of times it's easy to look at people and judge them and not know their story. What they don't know about Ellen, what they may not have known, was that she was a nurse and she worked all night long. Instead of going home and going to bed, she would come to church because she wanted to be in the house of the Lord. Now, other people may have looked at her and and not known her story, but God knew her story. God knew her sacrifice. God knew what she gave up to be in the house of the Lord that day. Even though she was falling asleep, I believe the Lord was blessing her and speaking to her during that service because she made a sacrifice to be in the house of the Lord. God knows your sacrifice. He sees what no one else sees. One of my favorite stories in the Word of God is found in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow who put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, the poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She stood there that day. She went to the temple, holding everything she owned in one hand. Everything she owned. Two coins. She went that day with a heart and a desire to sacrifice. A heart and a desire to give her everything. And that day... Many people who gave didn't think twice about what they gave. But I'm sure with her, when she gave everything she had, that was a big deal. She said, I'm going to give my everything. There were men that day that probably gave a lot larger offerings. There were men that day that probably put a lot more in. And and uh, you know what? They may have made a show of it. They may have said, hey, look at me. You know, there's a lot of people who give that have ulterior motives. There's a lot of people giving the church because they want their say-so. There's a lot of people that give in the church because they want recognition. There's a lot of people that give in the church because they want people to think that they're important. But this lady gave because she loved the Lord. That day when they counted the offering, nobody got excited when they counted those two copper coins. They didn't notice it. They didn't see it. They didn't recognize it. They didn't know what she had given. They didn't know that she had nothing left. They didn't know that she put her all in. But Jesus was watching and Jesus knew. Let me tell you something that when you give a sacrifice and nobody knows it, Nobody knows the hours you spent in prayer. Nobody knows the money that you gave to the missionary. Nobody knows that when you came to the church and you helped with a work day, but you had a to-do list a mile long, Jesus knew what you gave and what you sacrificed. When you give of yourself and no one else knows it, God sees your sacrifice and he takes note of it. He said, this woman gave the greatest because she gave out of her poverty. Jesus sees your sacrifice. Nobody saw it that day. The ushers didn't get excited when they counted those two copper coins. But Jesus saw. Jesus sees your sacrifice. He sees when you give of yourself. Jesus sees what others miss. You know, when I hear this story, When I read this story and think of this woman and the sacrifice that she made, that she gave of herself, I get a picture in my face of a woman. And I want to show you that picture, if you could pull that up. That handsome guy with hair, that is me. I look a little different now. The lady there with me, her name is Betty May. I was Betty's pastor in Johnson City, Tennessee, not too far from here. I pastored in Johnson City for about 11 and a half years. And uh, there has never been anybody who wasn't a part of my family that loved me more than Betty May. Nobody. I preached a sermon on sacrifice and giving your talents and giving your abilities and giving your time to God, giving your very best. And she came up to me, and Miss Betty had a lot of health issues. I don't know if you can see it in that picture, but she had an oxygen tube going there. Every Sunday, she'd come to church carrying a little oxygen tank behind her. And throughout the service, you would hear, tsh, tsh. It's a little sound that it would make when it breathed air into her nostrils to help her breathe. And let me tell you, she was at church sometimes when most people wouldn't get out of bed. You know, a lot of folks stay home for a headache or it's raining out, not Miss Betty. She was struggling to breathe and she still made sure she was in the house of God. Well, I preached this sermon about giving of yourself and using your talents, that your talents and your abilities are important to the kingdom of God. And she came up to me after service and she said, Pastor Johnny, I don't have anything to offer the church. I don't have any money. She she didn't have much by worldly standards, lived in a single wide trailer and didn't really have much of anything as far as worldly possessions. That's why, you know, I picture her when I see that little woman in the temple. When I see that woman, this is who I picture, Miss Betty. She says, I don't have any talents. I said, and, and, and I said, Miss Betty, you are an incredible blessing to this church. Number one, you're an inspiration that you make it to church even when you don't feel your best. What an example to the rest of us. I said, number two, I asked her a question. I knew the answer before I asked it. I said, "Miss Betty, do you pray for me? Oh, Pastor Johnny, I pray for you in this church every single day. And I knew she did. She said, Pastor Johnny, I love this church. I love you. When she said it, I knew she meant it. I said, "Miss Betty, That's one of the greatest ministries and one of the greatest gifts that you can give is to pray for your church and to pray for your pastors and to pray for other people. What an incredible blessing you are giving your time. But Miss Betty wasn't satisfied with that. She wanted to do more. And as I said, she had nothing, but she started, she got this idea the Holy Spirit gave her. And she started to carry around a jar everywhere she went. And when people would ask her what that jar was for, she says, I'm collecting money for missionaries. Would you like to put some change in? She carried it everywhere with her, just so people would ask her what it was for. When her family would come into the house, she'd say, empty your change into my jar. It's going to missionaries. And for several months, every month, the first Sunday of the month, she would bring in a jar full of change. Usually it was $50 to $75 in change every single month and gave it to missions because she said, I want to give my best. I want to give my all. Let me just tell you a little bit more about Miss Betty that will tell you about her heart and her sacrifice and her desire to serve and her desire to give God everything. Miss Betty passed away, and the day she died, I went to her trailer, walked in, her family was around her, she was laying on the couch, And I walked in, they said, Pastor Johnny, she hasn't been conscious or alert for hours. She hasn't said anything. She hasn't opened her eyes, you know, so she probably won't do anything or say anything. She's, she's just about to leave this world. And so I knelt down beside her, got down about a foot from her face. And I said, Miss Betty, it's Pastor Johnny. And she opened her eyes and looked at me. She said, oh, Pastor Johnny, I love you. I said, Miss Betty, I love you too. And then she looked at me and said something I'll never forget. She said, Pastor Johnny, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do for you? This woman was about to die but yet it was still her heart to give. I don't know that she could have done anything, but it was in her heart to ask. And that was one of the last things she ever said to me before she passed away. I keep a picture of her in my office just because I say, Lord, help me be willing to love people like she loved people. Help me to be willing to give of myself and sacrifice like she sacrificed. She had an incredible impact. I can't wait till I get to heaven and see her again. She's going to be one of the first people I look for. And you know what? We're going to be surprised. Nobody knows Miss Betty's name. Y'all never heard of her. A lot of the people in the town she lived in never heard of her. She never drew attention to herself. But I guarantee you, when she got to heaven, there were some incredible rewards that she received for her faithfulness and sacrifice. We're going to be surprised when we get to heaven who, who some giants in the kingdom of God are. It's not always the people who the TV camera's on. It's not always the people who make a big name for themselves. It's not the people who always, who put the big offerings in the offering. It's not the people who draw, always, you know, draw attention to themselves. Now, God's give different people different gifts and some people are in front. That's why He gives us the body. But how many know that, that, those who are behind the scenes are often just as important as those who are visible. You know, my wife has gone through a lot of uh, health issues and she has battled what is called Addison's disease for about 14 years, very rare disease where your adrenal glands don't work. Um, And uh, she also has diabetes and uh, hyperthyroid. Um, I want to ask y'all to keep her in your prayers With Addison's disease, the treatment is you have to take steroids every day. And if you don't take steroids, you die. Um, The steroids don't affect her like it would normal people, like Roy Rage or Big Muscles and stuff like that, because it's just giving her what her body needs. Um, But when you take steroids every day, it makes your blood sugar go up. And she's also diabetic. And so you've got to try to keep your sugar... Down, but her sugar is always a battle, going up and down, up and down because of this. So keep her in your prayers. But um, uh, she is she has gone through. Uh, James will remember she's almost died several times. Uh, one time she was on life support for eight days in the hospital for six weeks. Had to go through rehab and learn how to to walk again, and talk again, and eat again, and take care of herself. and And um, so she's been through some struggles, and. Addison's disease is where your adrenal glands don't work. I guarantee you there's nobody in this room that woke up this morning and said, Lord, thank you for my adrenal glands. Probably not. Some of you never thought once or twice about your adrenal glands. I didn't know how adrenal glands, how important they were to our body until my wife's quit working. It's not something that's visible It's not something that's seen, but when it is not effective and not working like it's supposed to, it affects the whole body. And so you may not be the one that's up in front, but if the church is missing your gift and what you're called to do, it affects the whole body. And so your sacrifice may not be visible and seen. It may be behind the scenes. No one may ever know, but God knows. God knows every sacrifice, and it makes a difference no matter how small it is. You see, God has a way of taking little things and doing big things. You know the story. Jesus was preaching, and there were 5,000 men plus women and children. There was a little boy. He didn't have much. He had two fish and five loaves of bread. And the disciples were looking for something, anything. Now, this little boy, his mama thought ahead and made him a sack lunch. He could have said, I got some food. Y'all don't. Na, 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 na. You know, that's what a lot of kids would do. They said, Hey, I don't have much, but I'll give you what I've got. Even if I have, to, I, I've got lunch, and I could just eat this, and I would have my stomach full. But I'll give you instead what I got. I'll make a sacrifice. And God took his sacrifice and multiplied it and fed. 5,000 men plus women and children. It wasn't just 5,000. There was women and children there. There may have been over 10,000 people there. And they passed that fish and that bread out and it multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And by the time they were done, they had 12 baskets left over. You and I believe they probably gave a basket or two to that little boy to take home. I don't know. But the boy said, here's what I've got. And what you have may not seem like much, But God will take it and multiply it. Take your sacrifice and use it to do something beyond your imagination, even if no one else sees it. Jesus saw what the little woman gave when no one else did. Jesus saw your sacrifice when you gave to the church, when you prayed an extra hour, when you interceded for someone who had a need, when you baked a meal or made a meal for someone who was sick. God saw those sacrifices. And you'll never know what will come out of that. Jesus understands your sacrifice when no one else does. And he uses them and multiplies them for his glory. Have you ever made a sacrifice for someone and been disappointed? Maybe you sacrificed for a family member and they really didn't appreciate it. You sacrifice for your children, and they didn't understand the sacrifice. You gave up your something and you were disappointed in that. Let me tell you, when you sacrifice for God, you will never, ever be disappointed. There was a young man coming to my church and he was doing good and he was faithful and God was working in his life. Well, he got arrested because he was behind on child support and... um He called me up and said, Pastor Johnny, I'm in jail. He said, can you, can you help me get out? And they had a bail for him. Well, I wanted to help him. I believed in him. So I went and I gave my personal money that he was supposed to pay me back um, to get him out of jail. He got out of jail and did okay for a couple weeks. He did some work for me at my house, and I wrote him a check um, for what he did so that he could take that to the courthouse and give it as part of what he owed. And um, uh, what he did was he scratched out the courthouse name and wrote his name, cashed that check I gave him, and left town. Disappeared. So I'm stuck with what is owed. And I invested this money into his life. And it was a sacrifice for me. I didn't really have the money to do it, but I wanted to go the extra mile to help him. And it bit me. If I ever do bail again for someone else, the Holy Spirit's really going to have to speak (laughs) clearly to me. And there's got to be writing on the wall because I learned a lesson. But I I made a sacrifice. And I was disappointed. Sometimes we sacrifice for others and we're disappointed and they don't appreciate it, they don't understand it, they don't value it, how much we give of ourselves to be a a blessing towards them. But let me tell you, when you sacrifice for God, you will never be disappointed. Sometimes we sacrifice for others and we're disappointed. In Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse number 18, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing one thing, just one thing, you lack one thing, sell everything you have, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me, when he heard this he became very sad because he was very wealthy, Jesus looked at him and said how hard is it for a rich, the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. Indeed, it will be easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. We left all we had. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left his home His wife, his brothers, his sisters, his parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come. This young man looked like he was sincere. He went to the right place. He went to Jesus. If there was anyone to go to, To find out the answer to the question, he had the right question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He had the right question. He went to the right person. He said the right things. He called Jesus master, good teacher. And he fell down at the feet of Jesus. Man, I'll tell you what, right now in our service, somebody did that, right? We would say, man, they've they've got it. They're saved. They're ready. They went, they knelt down. They said, I want to inherit eternal life. But you see, Jesus not only sees the outside, he sees the inside. And he knew what was going on in this young man's life, and he knew that there was one thing. He knew that he said, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Jesus said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. One thing. You see, God wants your all. That one thing can keep you from being who God called you to be. We don't know this young man's name, but if he would have sold everything he had and followed Jesus, I guarantee you we'd know his name. I guarantee you there would be greater things even that he would do. Jesus never would have asked that of him if it wasn't his God, if it wasn't that one thing that was keeping him from giving God everything. God doesn't mind you having stuff, but he minds it when stuff has you. So he said to him, sell everything you have. And Jesus knew his heart. You know, you can fool people. He looked good on the outside. He fell down at the feet of Jesus, said the right thing. But Jesus knew his heart. And God knows your heart today. God knows where you're at. He knows when you're giving what he asked you to give. He knows when you're using your gifts and your talents and your ability to build the kingdom of God. He knows when your motives are wrong. So he said, sell everything you have. Jesus starts listing Did you ever notice Jesus didn't list all the Ten Commandments? Did you notice that? He he listed, he said, thou shalt not murder. He said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. And this young man's like, yeah, yeah, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't committed murder. I haven't steal. honored your father and mother. I haven't, I've honored my father and mother. But did you notice Jesus didn't list all the Ten Commandments? Jesus didn't say, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. See, what Jesus left out is just as important as what he mentioned. He did not say, Thou shalt not covet. You ever notice that? Some people say, Well, he kept the Ten Commandments. No, he didn't keep the Ten Commandments. He kept the ones that Jesus listed. But Jesus knew his heart. The Bible says that Jesus loved him and said, One thing you lack then it says that the young man, his head fell and he walked away disappointed. Why was he disappointed? He still had his stuff. He still had his wealth. He still had his possessions. But you know what? That's not what brings value to your life. That's not what brings meaning and significance to your life. The stuff he thought was important, brought him no pleasure and There was still an empty spot in his life. That's why we see famous musicians and athletes and wealthy people who still commit suicide because they've got it all and they realize that it doesn't fill the void in their life. This young man walked away with his possessions, but he left behind the plans and purposes of God. If he would have sold everything and followed Jesus... I don't believe he would have walked away with his head down. I believe he would have been rejoicing and leaping and praising God. You see, there was no sin in having that stuff, but when those things become more important to you than God and you're not willing to sacrifice for them, if you're saying, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that, that is what Jesus is asking from you. That's what he's requiring of you. The young ruler walked away sad. When you sacrifice for God, you'll be blessed and you'll never be disappointed. You'll never outgive God. Philippians chapter three, verse seven and eight. But whatever was gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. There's nothing in your life worth losing your relationship with God over. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? If you're here today, there's nothing greater, there's nothing more valuable than living a life with a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't have a right to ask you, to sacrifice for me. I don't have a right. People don't have a right to expect certain things from you. But understand, Jesus has that right. And the reason he has that right is because he became a sacrifice. He himself laid down his life for us. The greatest sacrifice It's not such a big deal when God says, I want you to sell this. I want you to give this. I want you to stop this. I want you to give up this. When we realize the price that Jesus Christ paid for us, when we realize the whips that he took upon his back over and over and over again, and when they pulled the whips back, it tore open his flesh. His inner organs were exposed. He had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He had nails driven through his hands and feet. And yet, sometimes we're afraid that people are going to mock us, that they're going to make fun of us, that they're going to ridicule us. We're afraid that when God asks us to give something, it's going to hurt us a little bit. But think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Whatever sacrifice you give pales in comparison to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And He did it because. He loves you. I remember watching The Passion of the Christ for the first time. And there was a lot of controversy over that because of the graphic nature of the crucifixion. And There's no way you could portray the crucifixion without it being violent and graphic. And as graphic and horrible as it was, I believe it was worse than what it was even portrayed. But I remember sitting in the movie theater watching that movie And I had one thought over and over, and it was this I can't believe he did that for me. I can't believe he did that for me. God loves you so much that he sacrificed his only begotten son so that you could have a relationship with him. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm not going to promise you a. bed full of roses. I'm not going to promise you your problems will go away. I'm not going to promise you that life will get As a matter of fact, sometimes when you give your life to the Lord, it gets harder. Jesus said, they persecuted me. They'll also persecute you. But I will promise you that it'll be worth it. I will promise you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. I will promise you that you won't walk through the valleys and the struggles and the hardships of life alone, but He gives you a peace that passes understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit. I will promise you that He will be with you no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter where you lay your head, no matter what attacks the enemy brings upon you. But serving God is not a test drive. It's a commitment. Saying, God, I'm giving you my everything. If you give God your everything, You, God will give you His everything. He's already given you His everything, but He will continue to give you the blessings that come with serving God. But you'll still face some difficult times. Let me close. When you think that God has asked too much of you, that what God has asked you to do is too difficult, remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. You'll never be disappointed. What has God called you to do? What is that one thing in your life? Is it a relationship that God wants you to break off? It might even be something that's not a sin that has become a God to you. When I was in Bible college, we had these praise gatherings and. Man, the power of God was moving. I saw college students running to the altar, falling on their face, just bawling, hands up in the air, tears running down their face. And I grew up in a spirit-filled church where I was used to the presence of God and used to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And I sat in that chapel service and I didn't feel a thing. It scared me. I went to the altar not because I felt something, but because I didn't feel something. I knew something was wrong. And I went and I knelt down the altar and I tried to pray and I felt nothing. Felt nothing. Then there was a black brother. He was an older student. He came and he knelt down beside me, put his arm around my head. His face was next to my face. And the Holy Spirit just gave him a burden for me and he started crying. And I felt his tears running down the side of my face. And I just broke and began to weep and cry. I said, God, why didn't I feel your presence? And he said one word to me, and it's a word you'd never expect. And it may not make sense to you when I tell you. But he said one word to me. He said, basketball. What? He said, basketball. So what do you mean, God? He said, how much time do you spend playing basketball? I was a basketball fanatic. I, I was what you call a gym rat. I would play basketball literally three or four hours every day. Every day. I loved it. God said, basketball. So, what do you mean? He said, how much time do you spend bas- playing basketball? I was like, okay, God, I get your point. How much time have you spent in prayer and reading your Bible that wasn't for school assignments? Okay, God. He said, I want you to fast from basketball for one week. It's like, okay, God. Now, that may not be a big deal to you, but It's like asking a teenager to give up their phone for a week or ask a lady not to shop for a week. Some of you don't, but different for different people. But it was a big deal to me. It's a big deal to me. And uh, so I fasted from basketball. I remember that first day someone came, knocked on my door. Let's go, man. I'm like, okay. Oh, uh, I can't. It was hard. It was hard. But that week I spent time in prayer and I felt the presence of God come back into my life. It's because there was one thing. One thing. And that one thing may be different with every person. Um, James, can you come to the keyboard? Would you bow your heads with me? I I don't know. Everybody in here may be a believer, but I don't know. I, I know that I can't tell from outward appearances, but as it was with this young man, he looked good. He looked religious. He looked spiritual. But there was one thing in his life that was keeping him from a real relationship with God. And there are sometimes people look religious. and I've actually known people who've gone to church for years and years and years and never gave their life to Jesus Christ. I don't know your heart today, but God does. And He's looking at you as He looked at this young man and He loves you as He loved this young man. He says, are you willing to give me your all? I gave my all for you. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Is there anyone here that say, Pastor Johnny, I'm not a Christian? Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone? How many say, Pastor Johnny, I'm a Christian, but... There are probably some areas in my life that I need to surrender to God. There are some things that God has asked me to do that I've been hesitating, I've been holding back, I haven't been willing to give. And today I want to say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm not going to walk away with my head down. I'm going to walk away rejoicing that Today, I've made a commitment to give God everything. Let me say, Pastor Johnny, I just, I just want to commit everything to God. I want to, I want to give him my dreams, my desires, my plans, not just my hurts and my sins, but I want to give him every part of my life. Just lift your hand if that's you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Would you stand with me? I want us to close all our time together and just come around the altar and make a fresh commitment to God and surrender those things that need to be surrendered. Give up those things that need to be given up and say, God, I give you what I have. I give you my two copper coins. I give you my fish and my bread. And say, Lord, it's yours. I want to invite you to come. Let's find a place around this altar and say, God, I give you everything. I surrender my all. I'm going to be who you called me to be and do what you called me to do. I want to invite you to come. i love to pray.
3: And Lord I give you my heart, I give you my soul I live for you alone every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. I have your I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I live for you alone, every breath that I take, from moment I'm awake. My soul, I live for you alone in every breath that I take, every moment I'm. Alive. desire adore, all that I adore is in you, Altogether, together, Lord, I give you my heart, and Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you, I live for you. take every moment I'm away have your way and have your way in me and have your way in me have your way have your way in me let's close our eyes and sing have your way Have your way in me, Jesus. Have your way in me. Amen.
1: Have your way. Sing it one more time. Have your way in me. Amen. Can we just give God a, a hand of thanks this morning for His presence? Amen. You can be seated in God's presence. Amen. Can we encourage Pastor Johnny? What a great message this morning. Amen. Just a couple of things I want to do before we leave. I want our ushers to prepare to receive this morning's uh, tithe and offering. This is an opportunity for you to invest in a kingdom work and want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if you put up our online giving screen, if you're not here this morning and you're not prepared to give, uh, you can text the word give to 865-355-0508 and you'll get a little prompt that'll help you follow online giving. Very simple. You can download the app or you can go to our website, Emmanuel AG, and there's a tab that says giving. Very easy to do. We want to invest in this church plant. We want to invest in this family. He came today to bring a word and bring a message, which, come on, can we thank God one more time for that message on sacrifice? How many you know that your pastor has a heart of, of compassion, and you've heard that word around here before? Anybody ever heard the word compassion for people? Well, that happened, uh, really birthed in my heart when I was 15 years old. He was preaching at youth camp, and he's talked about David had a heart of courage, and David had a heart of compassion, and David later on had a heart of uh, character, and he had a champion heart, and I remembered that, and the Lord burnt that in my heart, and that's why we love people the way we do today. One reason is because of that, and so now I feel like the Lord has stamped another. Another word on my heart about really sacrificing and serving and wasn't that a blessing about the sweet little lady that was about to go on to be with Jesus and she said what can I do for you if you ask me what kind of church do you want to have, I want it filled with people like Tito, who's who's always saying, and, and Jim. And I want it filled with people that say, what can I do for you? Are we blessed to be a blessing or what? We are blessed to be a blessing. Save people, serve people. So I want you to give this morning, tithe off, and make everything out to manual Assembly of God. And so, George, would you pray a blessing over our offering this morning? Amen. Guys, as they're serving, go ahead and serve the people. I want to do something very special. I felt like the Lord put in my heart this morning. Uh, Psalm 20, uh, our sweet media lady. So I woke up this morning, Joyce, and as soon as my eyes opened, the Lord said, Psalm 20 is for Pastor Johnny and Chantrell." Uh, it should be on there. I put in the bottom, the very end of his sermon. So literally, Linda, the, I woke up first thing, Psalm 20. Read it and pray it over Pastor Johnny. Uh, I didn't even know what Psalm 20 was, John. I didn't know. I was like, what is Psalm 20? I hope it ain't like, my enemies are overtaking me. And, you know, and, and, you know, there's some Psalms that are like, wow, David was having a bad day. (laughs) It's like, you know, my enemies crusheth me and runneth over me. And I was like, what am I about to read? Pray. But the Lord said, Psalm 20. And I had no idea what it was. I hate to confess it. I don't have every psalm memorized to you. But I felt like the Lord put this. And I'm going to read over Pastor Johnny. But before I do, let me tell you what you just did this morning. You talked about sacrifice. Uh, only a handful of people know this in this church. Our, our board knows this, our leadership team. And uh, this is awesome. We were at pastor's conference, minister's conference a couple of weeks ago. Pastor Johnny, you guys were up front worshiping in front of me. And the Lord just put something in my heart and I, and I, I thought, I want to make sure that's the Lord. So I sat on it for about two weeks, and then I called our elder team, our church board, and I said, I feel like the Lord's leading me in something here, and I want to talk to you guys about it. And I want you to pray about it. For about three weeks, we've been praying about it. Uh, today, we are investing the entire offering, tithing offering, into this couple. Every dime that came in today is going to you guys. Come on, can we give God thanks? And when you're a small church, you're like, you're going to take a whole week of income out of your budget? Yes. Because it's worth it. Because the people in Murfreesboro need what you have. And I just feel like God just wanted to give you a token of love. So your church this morning is going to bless them. Everything that came in uh, today, we're going to just send it right back to them. So come on, can we give God thanks? It's one way we can sacrifice for the kingdom. We've never done that, Pastor Johnny, in the history of this church, but our elders prayed about it, and the Lord has put that in our heart. I want to confess this. Would you guys come up here, Pastor Michael? I want you to come up here. I want you to stand. I want you to read this, and we're going to pray over you. Meshach, would you come and pray? Candy, would you come and pray with Shantrell? I want to read this specifically. I believe this is something the Lord is going to use in the ministry for you. I believe this is a prophetic word. Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May He send you help from the sanctuary. Yes. When you're planning a church, you like it's like me and my wife. Who's going to join the team? You need help to do a church. May the Lord send you help and give you support. From Zion. Yes. What, what a great word. I had no idea what this was. <laughs> I woke up and God said, Psalm 20. Wow. May He send you help. Look at verse 3. May He remember all of your offerings. <laughs> I had no idea what He was preaching on. <laughs> and, and regard your favor wow. and your sacrifices. Look at verse 4. May He grant, <laughs> wow. God knows what He's doing, ladies and gentlemen. May He grant your heart's desire and may he fulfill all of your plans. The plans in your heart are not your plans, they're God's plans. They're the heart of God for the city. Wow. We we will shout for joy over you and your salvation. Yes. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all of your petitions. Wow. Now I know the Lord saves the anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven. So when you pray, the heavens will be open. God will answer you and God will hear you. Look at verse 7. He'll show you the mind of his hand. Some trust in chariots and horses. Some trust in big church planning budgets. Some trust in a big method to do this and denominational support. Some trust in this plan and program. Some trust in choices and heritage, but but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Look at verse 8. They will collapse and fall, the horses and chariots, but we will rise. Where others have failed, you will have success. Where others have tried to plant ground and failed and didn't see harvest, you will have a harvest and you will have success. Where others have failed, look at the next verse. Oh, Lord, uh, uh, save the king. May he answer us when we call. Is there another one? I think that's it. All right. Pastor Michael, I want you to pray over this couple. Candy, if you'll pray over Central, Would you stand today? And let's stretch our hands this way.
0: Father, we lift up the Chase family today. We thank you for the call of God that is on their life. And we know first and foremost, it is to be sons and daughters in your kingdom. Lord, we pray that they would rest in the security of who you have made them to be, Lord. That in all their struggles and and questions and wonderings of, Lord, why now? Why at this point in our life, Lord, with everything else we're facing, God, I pray that they will see the hand and favor of God on their life, Lord. We pray over them mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, Lord, that you will be their whole provider, that, Lord, they can rest in you and see that there is a waylaste of enemies behind them because of the favor of God before them. So, Lord, grant them strength now, folks that will come along and lift up their arms as unto Moses, Lord, to be able to say, now, now is the time of victory, that there will be victory and triumph, Lord, Lord. through their words and every place that they step their foot, everywhere that you have called them, Lord, you will give them lands, land before them, God, for your kingdom, for your glory. Thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.